working this year on a theme of walking worthy of our calling. Our key verse is uh, Ephesians 4, 1, where Paul encourages us, urges us, uh, stronger than asks us, uh, that now that we understand what was said in the first three chapters about our calling, what God has done for us, to walk worthy of that calling. So uh, that's our key verse, and we're looking at a number of things. Our first series is, What's My Calling? And uh, uh, we want to make sure we understand the calling before we take most of the year to talk about walking worthy of our calling. Uh, today's lesson is entitled, Who's Calling? Who is Calling? I want to make sure before we get to the walking worthy part of all this, uh, I want to make sure that we understand who our call is from. And that's our purpose today is to understand how that works. Uh, if you got a call from someone and they said something that either made you very, very happy or very, very sad or, or whatever, do you understand how, the, how it could be so different if the wrong person was calling, if it was a counterfeit call, if it was a fake call. It all depends on who's calling. Back when we got a, seemed to get more uh, telemarketing kind of calls, one of the tricks was somebody would call and tell me every once in a while that I'd want a new car. You know, they worded it just a little bit differently, but they basically said, you want a new car. Well, as soon as they said that, I would start screaming and yelling. And Cindy would go, oh, no, it's another one of those. So I would say, oh, right, I've been needing a new car. This is great. What kind is it? When can I pick it up? Where do I get it? And I just keep asking questions as fast as I can. And their job, of course, is to get you signed up for some bogus thing. So they've got to stay on the line. And they kept saying, uh, sir, excuse me, sir, sir. And they tried to tell me without telling me that I really hadn't won a new car. And I'd play with them until I got tired and then quit. But it, <laughs> do you understand if somebody really called and told me that I had a new car? I mean, somebody here that could afford to give me a new car, you know? <laughs> If you called and said, I've decided to give you a new car, I, I wouldn't make fun of you. I wouldn't carry on. I'd be very grateful. It matters who's calling. If God is really calling us, then it's serious business. And if God is not calling us, but we think it's God, that's serious business too. And I would propose that's what happens sometimes. We, we come up with something that we call a call from God. It may not be Him. We looked at three types of calls as we worked uh, through one lesson a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the, the call of God, uh, I believe there's three things that it talks about. One is the universal call of God. The universal call for all people. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everybody to come to their repentance. The, the call to eternal life. The call that makes the difference between heaven and hell. 
Uh, second kind of call that we see in the Bible is one of the individual call to service. Uh, Romans twelve seven says, if we've got gifts, we ought to use them. We're, we're all called to serve the church as Christians. And then the third call that we mentioned, the third type, was the specific personal call where God said to somebody, I want you to do this. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, Moses received a personal call. Gideon received a personal call. I want you to save your people from the uh, Philistines. Paul received a personal call on the road to Damascus. Peter received a personal call to go to the Gentiles. So uh, those specific personal calls are what we want to talk about today. Um, now, those kind of calls, specific personal ones. Uh, my, my first point I want to make that you can read the Bible from front to back. And what you find out about specific personal calls is that they were very clear and they were rare. That's what's fill in in those blanks where our PowerPoint's acting up today. Hey, how about that? Uh, there it is. Okay. In the Bible, personal calls uh, were very clear, but they were rare. I think we've got to understand that. Uh, Moses, the Lord, spoke to him from a bush, said, you are going to see Pharaoh. That's pretty clear. Okay. Gideon was in the, uh, down in the wine press working on the grain, and an angel appeared to him, and the Lord spoke to him and said, you're going to save Israel. Okay. Paul got blasted with a light from heaven on the road to Damascus. And the Lord said, you're going to be my apostle to the Gentiles. Peter was on the roof and he had a vision, but the Lord spoke clearly to him. And when the men showed up a bunch of Gentiles and said, would you come with us to go see Cornelius? The Lord said, don't hesitate to go with them. Even though that was against everything Peter thought was right. You see, the, the calls that we read about in the Bible, the personal specific ones, are very, very clear. Now, when I said they're rare, I got to thinking about that. There's not many of them. And I know when you read the, the Bible, this summary of thousands of years, it seems like there's a specific personal call on every page. Well, the highlights, that's what they are. This is about the the... the Famous men of God, the people that did the big things, the big stories. But in 4,000 years of Bible writing, I imagine there weren't over 30 or 40 specific personal calls. You know, the patriarchs got some. All the judges got one, I guess. All the prophets got one. You had all those up, you might have 30 or 40. That's one every hundred years. You know, specific personal calls are not that common. Most of the people, most of the people in the Old Testament, 
the vast majority, 99.999, whatever the percent is, their call from God was a general call. You obey me, you be honest, you work hard, you support your family. That's your call. You live a good life, and you honor me while you do it. That was their call. They didn't have burning bushes and angels appearing and and all of that. I was thinking about that, and I thought, if I sat down to count them, I could go through the Bible and count all the ones who got specific personal calls. And the first guy in the Bible, Adam, he didn't have any specific personal Huge call. What was he told? Be one with your wife and take care of the garden. That's pretty basic stuff. But that was his task. That was his call from God. And and my point is that millions of Christians since then, the vast majority of everybody that serves God have just been given a general call to walk worthy. Uh, From Pentecost to February 1st, 2015, God's people, most of them, have just been told to live a good life. Obey God, work hard, support your family, share with others, raise godly kids, serve the church... Just live a good life. In fact, Paul said it that way specific. Live such a good life among the pagans that they recognize you're living a good life. There's no huge specific personal call from the burning bush for most folks. Now, I understand in a sense we're gifted with something. That's our calling. Uh, The real word... Vocation is uh, what we do in life is our calling. In a sense, everybody has one. And some people have a little trouble figuring out what it is and all that. But in that sense, we're all called to something. And I don't want to discourage you. But I do want you to think. Because we're talking about people that get a call from somebody that it may be counterfeit. And they say it's a call from God. I want to disabuse you of that this morning. I don't think we get very many burning bush, Damascus Road uh, kind of calls. I think they're few and far between. Now, today, uh, here's my second point, is personal calls are mostly felt. And they're often counterfeit. Now, the reason I propose this, the reason I'm saying this, and I believe it, but I think the reason it's true, I think a lot of it is due to our society, our our feeling society. We, We feel things now. We don't think. In general, that's what's happened to society. People have been taught how they feel about something is what's important and not think through it or come up with what they believe. It's just what they feel, and that's okay. The other thing we've done in our culture is we've taught people that it's all about you. 
It's all about you. You're special. You get a trophy. Everything's wonderful. All that. And we've raised a generation or two up like that. And so they get these ideas. They feel they're called. And maybe they are, but I want to make sure they're not called by a counterfeit call. And the reason is feelings are very subjective. You, you can talk yourself into believing that something is a call from God when it's really from the flesh. Okay. That's why we read First John chapter 2 there. about John said the world operates on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's what Satan uses. Okay. Very first story in the Bible about Satan and man. What did he do? God specifically said to Eve and Adam, don't eat that tree. What did Satan do with it? He talked to Eve about it. She decided it looked like it would be good to eat. It was appealing to her. It would probably make her wise as God, pride of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, all of them, Satan used those, and he convinced her that she ought to do that, even though God said not to. The flesh can convince us that this is a call from God when it really isn't, when it's a counterfeit call. James, in James 1.14, said, here's how temptation works. And he tried to explain it to us, and he said, how it works is each one of us is tempted when, by his own desires, we're drawn away and enticed. You could put another word in there. We could say, by our own desires, we're called to something. Now, if it pleases us, if it's our desire, if we want to do that, we may be able to convince ourselves that, well, I'm being called to this. I'm not saying this happens all the time with everybody. I just want to be very sure that since we're spending so much time talking about the call of God, that we make sure that it's not this counterfeit kind of thing. Have you ever heard people say this? I feel called to do this. I just know that God is telling me this is what I'm supposed to do. We've all heard that. I think it's a lot more frequent these days than it used to be, but we hear that. I feel God is telling me that this is the one for me. He is the only one that will ever be possible. She is the only one in the whole world that I could ever be happy with. This is it. God's telling me. God's telling me that this is the school I'm supposed to go to. Uh, I feel called to this job. This is the job God wants me to take. This is the ministry. I feel this is the ministry that I'm supposed to use my gifts in. I feel called to preach. I feel called to be a missionary. God's telling me I'm supposed to go to this other country. 
Here's a classic. You ever hear anybody say, I know I'm supposed to do this because I know God wants me to be happy. Yeah, people say, oh, and I'm not saying they're wrong on some of them. I understand the call to preach and things like that. We can talk about that some other time. I'm warning us about counterfeit calls today. I'm not talking about true ones. Yeah. A couple of red flags. One, if you're saying, I know I want to do this. Uh, I'm called to do this. I feel God wants me to do this because it makes me feel so good, and I know he wants me to be happy. That's a red flag, folks. Not all of God's calls make us happy. You're going to have a hard time finding that verse in there for me. God wants me to be happy. Want me to be joyful and a whole lot of things, but happy is hard to find in there. The second red flag in this is if some of these calls that I just talked about, if they involve other people's money. OPM. If they involve that, and that's required for you to meet God's calling to be happy, that's a red flag, folks. Let me tell you a story to illustrate what I'm trying to tell you. A few years ago, we had an intern program here at Northside. We would get some young person, young man, family from a Christian school or a school of preaching, and we'd keep them here with us for a year and let them work among this family and learn what a healthy family looked like, and they'd follow me around and kind of learn what a preacher did. And uh, you all, most of you remember the ones we had, and I think we did a great work there. But one time I got a call from a young man that had heard about our intern program. And he was at a graduate school, actually, in the Brotherhood. And he called, and he said, I heard about your intern program. He said, I wanted to learn a little bit more about that and might want to apply for that. So I talked with him a little bit, and I said, well, what's your long-term plans? You're getting this advanced degree. Uh, what do you want to do next? What do you think your calling is? And his answer was that, he wanted to go to San Francisco and have a coffee shop ministry. And I said, well, are you tied in with any church there? Are you getting connections with anybody that could help you? Well, no, I just want to go and I'm, uh, that's my calling. I'm going to go and start going to coffee shops and visiting with people and uh, I think it will be a great ministry. I said, well... Sounds like fun, I guess. Uh, what are you interested in the internship for? What, what do you need an internship for? And he said, well, he said, I'm a little short of money to go to San Francisco yet. And a year with a salary there with you guys would be a big help. You can call me cynical if you want. 
Maybe God was calling him to that. Maybe God somehow in his sovereignty had decided that part of our widow's social security checks ought to go to support his coffee house ministry. Maybe. But I think there's too many red flags in that story. When we hear so often today, I'm called to do this. God wants me to do this, and I, and I need your help in doing this. And I'm not against supporting missionaries and all that. Don't get wrong. I'm just warning you against counterfeit calls. I suggest that if you've got a calling from God like this, you feel you have one, that you might look for a sign or two. Some confirmation that God is really calling. And there's nothing wrong with that. Gideon was the most direct fellow that ever asked for a sign. He said, God, I want a sign. So it's okay to ask God for a sign. In fact, God, Gideon asked for one. He said, I'm going to put this fleece out there, and I want you to make it wet and everything around it dry. And God did that, and he said, well... Let's do it the other way. Make sure. I'll put it out again tonight, and you make the fleece dry and everything else wet. And God answered him. God answered his, gave him the sign he wanted. So that's okay. So I thought of some signs that might help you decide if this felt calling is really a calling from God. Sign number one. If it is God calling, it will not violate his word. If you feel God wants you to do something, whatever that thing is, will never violate his word. That's a good test. I've heard people say, I know God doesn't want me to stay with this person because it's just destroying my life. And I know God wants me to be happy and he wants me to get out of this and find a new person. Actually, I've already found her and she makes me happy. Okay. God will never call you to violate his word. If there's a violation of his truth in there, then it's not him calling. Somebody else is on the phone. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one because of a couple of current topics that are in the brotherhood, actually in the whole world of religion, but particularly in the brotherhood. Now, and I want you young people especially to listen to me. Those of you that think old fogies don't know what we're doing and we're, we're stuck in the dark ages and all that. Because these are things people are talking about. And I'm not discussing the topic itself. I'm talking this idea of calling. Okay. Uh, first one is worship. How we worship. The reason I bring this up is because a few years ago I listened to some tapes from a worship conference that was called, and worship leaders from a number of churches in the Brotherhood got together and talked about how we worship, about style of worship is all they were talking about. And one of the speakers who was very well known as being a kind of cutting-edge worship leader guy he told this story. He talked about how he was called to 
bring new joy to the worship among the brotherhood. That was his calling. A lot of people didn't have it right. A lot of people were stuck in the past and their worships were dead and no changes and all of that. I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying this guy's calling was to fix that. And so in his story, he related his travels of how the Spirit called him to go to this congregation and help them out of the problem they were in with dead worship. And he went and he introduced new styles and he taught them new things and he pushed them this direction and all that. And then there were objections. And then there was strife. And then there was division. And then the Spirit called him to go to another place where he introduced new things and taught them this and that and moved within this direction and all that. And then there were people that got upset and there was dissension. And then the Spirit called him to go to another place to teach them this and that and the other. Understand, this is not about worship. I'm not talking about what songs we sing, style, anything. We can argue that anytime you want, but I'm not doing it today. What I'm saying is if you believe you are being called to create dissension and destroy unity every place you go, it may be a spirit calling you, but it is not the Holy Spirit. Because 1 Corinthians 1.10 says we are to have the same mind and we are to have no division. If God is calling you to teach something, to do something, then you got to do that under the restrictions of his word. But this, this guy's whole argument made it glorified that he was persecuted for doing this wonderful thing because he was called by God. That's what I'm trying to warn you against today. The second one that was part of the same conference series, actually, it was about uh, the role of women, what women can and can't do in the church and all that. I know that's a big topic of discussion. It was a main topic of this conference, and a number of speakers spoke in favor of a much more inclusive role for women. Okay, It's not what we're talking about today. Uh, we can discuss that some other time. I think some places have it very wrong and very oppressive to women, all of that. I think some places ignore their women. I think Northside has huge opportunities for a woman who wants to work and serve and lead and all of that. But that's not what we're talking about. I think the New Testament is very clear that in the church there is male spiritual leadership. That principle is there. And that, uh, that women are not to teach or have a teach in the assembly or have a role of authority over men. I think that's a biblical principle. It's very clear. But we're not arguing that. Here's my point. The conference speakers that talked about this, every one of them, I listened to it twice just to make sure, their whole argument was this. I know a woman. It was often their sister, somebody very close to them. And she is very, very gifted. 
And she feels called to lead. She feels called to speak. She feels called to perform in this way. And it breaks her heart that the church won't let her do that. It breaks her heart that she can't fulfill her calling. They would all tell a story like that. And then they'd say, and I'm not kidding, they'd say it in these words. They'd say, I know there's some verses over there in First Timothy that say women shouldn't do this. But we know that can't mean that. And my sister feels brokenhearted. And then they'd say, I know there's some verses over there in First Corinthians that say that. But we know it can't mean that. That's so old-fashioned, it can't mean that. And this woman I know feels called to do this. That was the whole argument. What I'm warning you about is your feelings, where you feel you ought to use your gifts, However noble or wonderful or anything that is, that does not trump Scripture. Scripture, Scripture, Scripture is the Word of God. And we can study it and we can try to understand some reason that maybe we've misunderstood it for 2,100 years. We can do that, but we can't just trump it by saying... It can't mean that because I feel this. If God is calling, it will not violate his word. Second sign, if it's God's call, it's probably not going to match your dream. Abraham's dream, Abram's dream as far as I know, was to stay rich and comfortable in her. God said, I want you to pack up and go somewhere. I don't think that was on Abram's dream list. You know, David said, my dream is to build the temple, God. Call me to do that. God said, nope. I'm going to call Solomon to do that. You don't get to do your dream." You read all of those calls in the Bible, those specific personal calls, you read them all, you'll have a hard time finding one that was anybody's dream. When God calls, it usually goes against your dream. Uh, to go back to my interviewee that I talked to, if you think yourself, uh, think of yourself as kind of a progressive, cutting-edge guy, and you've always dreamed of living on the ocean and drinking lattes with liberal thinkers, it may be your dream. But if God really calls you something, if that's your dream, He's more liable to call you to liberal Kansas. <laughs> I don't even think they got a Starbucks there. I don't know. <laughs> That's the way God works. You go look for all the people that get called to something, and none of them were too thrilled about it. Yeah. Third sign, answering God's call 
is going to require you to surrender, not rejoice. You go through all those calls in the Bible, specific personal calls, and you find me one where when the guy heard his call, he said, all right, finally I get to do that. That's not what any of them said. Moses, when he was 40 years old, he said, I have this dream of getting the people of Israel to rise up and get out of Egypt with me. And God, I said, I call you to go be a shepherd. You don't get your dream. You don't get to rejoice right now. You surrender to being a shepherd. Elijah got his call. And you know what he said? Woe is me. Woe is me. I am called. He wasn't thrilled about it. He was broken about it. He said, I'm going to have to surrender to do this. All of them argued against the call. It took convincing in the Bible from God that this is what he was calling them to do. It wasn't in line with their dreams. They had to surrender to it. They had to say, if that's my call, then I'm going to have to submit to it. That's the way God's calls work. Sign number four, God's plan will require his power, not your gifts. These counterfeit calls that we get. We've got our dreams all built, and they're built around our gifts. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm good at. And if God had just called me to do this, this is going to be wonderful. You can't find one like that in the Bible. Everyone you read, in fact, in the Bible, God said, I want you to do this. And they said, I can't do that. I'm not able. And God said, that's the point. You're going to have to have me with you. I know you're not good at that, but I'll help you. Paul, when he was called, you understand what his gifts were? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew the Old Testament front and back, top to bottom, backward from forward. He knew that Gentiles were dogs. He knew that if he ever came in contact with a Gentile in the marketplace, he had to go wash himself specifically to get that uncleanness off of him. And God said, I am calling you to be my apostle to the Gentiles. There will be some personal growth required, Paul. You're going to have to make some changes. You can't keep your old attitude. You can't keep everything you knew. This is going to be hard. Do you see from these signs that God's calls aren't like the counterfeit calls that we get? Okay, I've given you some signs. Now, you still want to be sure. You're still asking, but how can I tell? I think I'm called by God, and you may be. A discerning calls is not easy these days. Not as clear as they used to be, I don't think. So let me give you three things. Step one, how can you tell? Number one, pray. 
Pray about it. Okay? Now, you may say, well, I've got this calling, but I'm just not quite sure, and I've prayed. No, I, I don't mean pray a prayer. I mean pray. Okay? In fact, if you came to me and said, I know this is the call of God, and I want to know what to do about it, I think my first assignment would be, you go read one George Mueller book. You go read one book about George Mueller who figured out his calling by praying. You pray anything close to what he did, and you'll start to get the answer. This isn't a one-time deal. This is this prayer we're talking about. Okay, step number two, wise counsel. Wise counsel. Don't try to do this all on your own. Get some wise counsel. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Okay? Go ask some spiritually mature people. If you've got this dream, if you've got this call from God, and you are convinced of it, and everybody you tell about it that's a mature Christian says, Whoa, I don't know about that. You need to think. Seek wise counsel. And step number three, wait. After you've asked all your spiritually mature friends and after you're continuing to pray, just wait. This is the principle we don't get. We think God operates on our time schedule. I told you at 40, Moses was ready to get the people out of Israel. God said, no, you're going to be a shepherd for 40 more years. And after 40 years, he said, okay, now I'm calling you to get your people out. 40 years. Story of David, you read it correctly in context, in chronological order. David got called to be king. The prophet appeared, said, that's the boy right there. God wants to be king. Did they go put the crown on him? No, he went back to shepherding. He had to fight Goliath 20 years of Saul trying to kill him and everything else that went on in that country. 20 years later, they put the crown on his head. That was a legitimate call of God. He said, this boy is going to be king. And 20 years later, he was king. We want an answer this week. We want this all settled now. If he makes you wait a while, then use that time. If you think you ought to be a a missionary in San Francisco, spend that waiting time trying to be a missionary in Wichita. See how that goes. He'll move you where he wants. He'll open doors. He'll shut windows. He'll, He'll get you there. Just wait. Hope those things help you. First to discern the counterfeit calls and then to figure out if it really is a call of God. All right, next week. We're going to do, I decided we better go another week or two on this series. Uh, Next week, who's worthy to judge worthy? Now, the reason we're going to do this is because we're going to be talking this year about walking worthy. So we're going to be talking about 
attitudes and behaviors and lifestyle choices that are either worthy of a Christian or not. That's what we're going to have to get into if we consider walking worthy. And the spirit of this age is, as soon as somebody says, that's not how a Christian should walk. Let me make it clear. That's not how a Christian should dress. That's not how a Christian should talk. That's not the kind of entertainment a Christian should enjoy. As soon as somebody says that, the spirit of this age is, nobody can tell me what's right or wrong. Who are you to tell me that? So we're going to get into that mess. And I know there's some spirit of this age in a group this large. Christians are told to discern right from wrong. To do that, you've got to judge. You've got to make a judgment. Yeah. Christians are told even more than that. Christians are not told just to discern right or wrong. Christians are told to discern between what is good and what is better. Yeah. That takes some thinking about what's worthy and what's not. So we've got to talk about this. Who's worthy to judge worthy? We'll cover that next week. All right, the lesson is yours. Uh, we've talked about calls for a number of weeks. Let me remind you as we close that still the most important call is that universal call to salvation, the universal call to eternal life, the universal call that makes the difference between heaven and hell in the afterlife. If you haven't responded to that call or answered that call that God is calling, let's do that today. Let's stand and sing. If you need to come, come.